All right, good evening, everybody. If you want to turn your Bibles to Acts 28, that's where we'll be tonight. Acts 28. We'll pray and we'll get started. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the time we get to spend in it tonight. For the kids and the teachers that have taken the time to prepare lessons for them and um, pray that they're just blessed back there. Help us to receive your word as we finish up the book of Acts tonight and we see Paul get ministered to by the brethren and his opportunity to freely share your gospel. What a nice end um, to a book that doesn't end. Um, it's open-ended, and uh, but it's nice to leave his story there. Lord, help us to see where we pick up, how the book of Acts continues in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. That's the beautiful thing about this book of Acts. Um, the Acts of the Holy Spirit working in the church, it's never ended. It doesn't stop. It's still to go on. And even tonight, you're going to see a, a whole island full of people get naturally drawn to the, the true power of God in someone's life. Um, there's so much fake out there. Um, I'm a, um, I don't know. <laughs> I just, I appreciate real. I just really can't stand a, uh, even pretending about uh, Christianity or when it comes to the love of Jesus. It's very difficult for me to, to have a conversation with someone who, who doesn't just speak normally. I have that problem. When we first got here to Maryville, we were invited to, or I was invited to a group, um, a group of men of the cloth and women of the cloth and so on. And, and it was fine until we just started talking and nobody could talk normally. None of them just talked like people talk, you know. There was always inflection in their voices. It was like, that's weird. That's not how I talk at Thanksgiving with my family. And that's not how I, t- I don't understand it. I didn't get it. And it, and it depended on what denomination they were from too. It's like this group over here, they've got a certain way they, you know, they inflect. And these guys over here doing their thing. And I'm just like, I just felt like such a out of place, really out of place. And I don't know if they were being phony or not. I just think maybe they've been doing it for so long that the inflection was just who they were then. That's just how they talk to people. And uh, I just couldn't get on board with it. It was, it was difficult. So, you know, that was the last time I ever went. I asked them, <laughs> there was a couple other cults that were invited to it. And uh, uh, <laughs> and I asked them, and we were, we were, the first meeting we had, they were talking about this Bible study. It was going to be a rotation Bible study. And each person was going to get a chance to lead it that comes to this, um, you know, men of the cloth meeting. And, and uh, I said, well, who's on the list? You know, who's, who's going to be teaching here? I need to know what I'm joining up for here. Well, these folks and these folks, and yeah, okay, yeah, great, great, fine, fine. What? What do you mean they're going to teach? Well, they don't come to the meetings. They don't come to the meetings. I said, but they're invited to the meetings? Well, yeah, we like to be, you know, inclusive and all. And I was like, well, what happens when it's their turn to teach? Because they don't believe what you believe about Jesus Christ. They don't believe he's the Son of God. They don't believe that he's God come in the flesh. They don't believe that. What are you going to do when they teach? Well, they don't think they're going to come. What if they do? And they just kept looking at me. You know, I'm like, okay, yeah, you know, there is something about Jesus Christ that we don't have to fake. We don't have to fake it. He's a real person. He's a person that comes into our hearts, not, not theoretically, not philosophically. He actually indwells us. And that's not something that you can fake. You can try, but it's very easy to spot. But when he indwells the person, when he indwells the believer, when he says that I will make my dwelling place with you, I'll tabernacle amongst you and I'll be in you and you'll be in me. And when he describes this oneness that we have with him, 
what we read in the book of Acts and have been reading is genuine and real. And this is how it's, it's never supposed to stop. It's never supposed to have been any different than what we're reading right here. There should be chapter 29 and chapter 30 and 31 and 32 until all the way till we get to 2022 in Little Maryville, Missouri and all other corners of the world where Jesus is preached and the book of Acts should still be written and the power of God should be evident to all. And it draws people. I don't have to talk people into it. I don't have to have the right words, the right um, um, wisdom or whatever, not the wisdom of man anyway. It's just evident to people. They're drawn to the power of God. People are so tired of philosophies and steps and programs and things like that. And none of them work. There's a reason when December rolls around, you know, Nordatrack comes on the scene and starts trying to sell us these, these exercise equipment, you know, and, and there's a reason that that stuff comes out every single year that because the diets don't work. They're too temporary. They're too, if you're not disciplined, quit looking at me like that. If you're too disciplined, <laughs> if you're not disciplined enough to just take care of yourself, which I'm not, I fully admit it. I, I don't see the point in faking it and pretending like this is, this is the one, this is really going to be it. Well, you know, for this week anyway. But carbs call me, you know. <laughs> That's the same for any kind of Christianity outside of the Holy Spirit Christianity. It's temporary. You can fake it for three, four years maybe. But eventually your life is so sedentary and boring spiritually. Nothing's changing in your life. There's no change taking place. And you just realize I'm just fooling myself and nobody around me is fooled by it. And this is what, that's how important this is. That's why we study this and we read these things. It's not so that we can understand and, and have the book of Acts in our back pocket and memorize the scriptures. It's so that we understand. Luke wrote this down because he wanted this, this guy, Theophilus, to know what you're seeing and what you're hearing going on in the church is genuine and real. And it's supposed to be. In chapter 28, this is our last chapter. Paul's finally going to make it to Rome. Thanks, Rod, for filling in last week. Just wasn't feeling up to it and didn't think you guys wanted anything that I had. Um, and I have no idea what I had, but it was it was from the pit. So and uh, um, I didn't think it fair, but boy, what a great job he did. It was just a wonderful teaching, and I appreciate that. And I hope we'll, we'll just pick right up where we left off last week. As they've been shipwrecked on the on this on this at this place, it's near Malta. It's it's they're going to get to the island here and land on it and figure out that the island is called Malta. And they've the, the storm was interesting, and I think Rod went into that quite a bit. It was, uh, I mean, the entire ship was lost, you know, if not for the courage of the fearless crew. Sorry, and so the young kids are going, "What is he talking about?" It's like. That's Gilligan's Island, and I know the entire, I can sing it for you if you wanted me to. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> the entire ship was destroyed. And I thought about that. And what we're going to read here tonight is that there's an actual ship there already. I mean, so I want to get you in that super spiritual mood already and get you thinking this way already. We've got a, a group of islanders that were going to be passed by. They had no intention of landing there. The Apostle Paul is near. God needs these people taught and ministered. 
Mm. They can just see God up there doing this. Mm. You know, he had already pre-positioned a book or a, a ship from Alexandria. It's wintering there. Hmm. I've got a ship. Maybe I could delay this a little bit before he goes to Rome. Maybe there's something I need them to do along the way. Maybe Paul could minister to these people. And I'm not saying God does all that kind of conversation, but I just find there's no coincidences here. Strip little storm, you know. No, 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 stay off the skiffs. Don't get in the skiffs. The skiffs aren't going to help. You need to stay right here. I'm going to wipe out the boat, but you're all going to grab onto some wreckage, and you're all going to kick your way onto the shore, and it'll be great. It'll be great. God saves them from shipwreck, but lets them wreck a ship. Paul's going to get bitten by a snake, but he's not going to get hurt by the snake. And I just want you to pick up on a theme here, that sometimes these things that happen to us, although they don't harm us or kill us or whatever, they don't do anything to us, he still lets us get bit. He still lets us get shipwrecked. He still lets these things fall into our lives, but there's always a purpose for them. There's always something that we should be looking out for. I don't know that Paul's always doing that, but apparently he was the only spiritual one on the ship. He's the only one paying attention. And that's the difference between panic, skiff stealing, you know, uh, assumptions made about snakes is panicky people and spiritual people. We're, as Christians, called not to be the panickers of this world. Not to be the panickers. We are to be the ones that have a peace that surpasses understanding. And we see all these things happening. And as people are grabbing their skiffs, we look around and say, I think we're supposed to stay on the ship that's going to get wrecked. Because there's a ministry here, you know. In verse 1, now when they had escaped, they then found out that the island was called Malta. And the natives... Natives meaning, uh, the other word there is barbarians. Most of Rome, had, you know, they had moved around. And one of the things that Rome did was um, they civilized societies. You know, barbarians were those that hadn't quite been touched by the Roman Empire as much as they should have been, probably. So that's why they call them natives. They were still kind of rough around the edges, to say the least. So these natives showed us unusual kindness, Paul says, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow to live. So they made a big assumption. So they're superstitious people, is who they are. Um... One of the things Rome did, and I, and I say this as a sideline because I can see it happening, and that's what the beginning monologue was all about, faux Christianity. The Romans knew religion was a part of everybody's life. It just was. No matter where they went, no matter what culture they engaged in, there was always some sort of religion there, and they were bizarre, barbaric, and so on. So... They allowed for religion in the Roman Empire, but for the most part, half and half, 50-50 in the Roman Empire actually believed in the temples, and the other half were like, they knew. This is all fake. This is all meant to meet a civil need, and they were all under the authority of the government, every one of those 
Every one of those temples in there. Yes, what's your favorite thing? We love violence. Okay, well, we've got a temple over there. You can worship violence over there. And there's one over here. And it kept everybody still Roman, still civil, still law-abiding citizens, but they could do what they wanted to on a Friday night or a Saturday night. They could go worship where they wanted to worship, fulfill that need, let the masses have their religion, and we'll expand our country. It's a very dangerous thing when the government allows this and allows that and says this is a, it's, it's, it's throughout all human history, all civilized human history, the church has been co-opted. It gets to be a part of the government. It gets to be a part of, um, you know, just well, we understand that there's just those, you know, those gun-clinging Bible thumpers out there. So let them have their day. And this, as long as it's not this, that, and we have a plethora of denominations willing to toe the government line out there. They're just willing to do it. I don't know why we don't just do that. And they are the most woke churches you've ever met because they're, they're so carnal. They're so uh, governmentalized that you can hardly smell Jesus Christ in there anymore at all. And I say that because it's a warning to every one of us because the church as a whole is the sum of its parts. And we have to be very careful that in our hearts we have this beautiful relationship that was meant we were meant to have with Jesus Christ. He's not a threat to any government. He's not. He loves freedom. He loves joy, patience, kindness, service. I mean, there is humility. All this is in there. But for a government that doesn't understand that, they're not believers, they look at this and they say, well, it's got more power than we do, therefore it's a threat to us because we don't have any control over it. Well, this is one of those islands. The island of Malta has a lot of these natives still there, these barbarians. They haven't quite bought into the prescribed or authorized religions of Rome. And so it's bothersome to them. That's, that's the big thing. Even, even the Jews, remember when the big tax question came up to Jesus? Who's, who, who, should we pay taxes to Caesar or shouldn't we? And the Jews were still trying to, it's funny, they were trying to get Jesus in trouble with Caesar because he thought to please the people that they needed to say that they're not supposed to pay taxes to Caesar, even though they, the Jews, the leaders, were actually on board with the government. They're the ones that were on board with Pontius Pilate. They were the ones on board. I mean, there's just a lot going on there. And Jesus says, just whose inscription is on there? What does that have to do with us? He rendered unto Caesar what Caesar rendered unto what God is God's. And that's, that was the point. He was always right there. But that's what they used. They used that. And it's convenient for the church. It's convenient for the Jews at different times to use the government to get accomplished what they want to get accomplished. And it's just, well, that's what's happened here on Malta. Malta is a science and island. It's, it's got one really important guy that lives on there. He's the most important, and we'll read about him in a minute, Publius. And, uh, but for the most part, they're still kind of barbarian. So they're very um, superstitious. They see this snake, and I think it's funny that the snake's hanging there on Paul's hand. He's like, look, <laughs> you know, and all the people are like, that's the, you know, death viper or whatever it's called in their language, you know. Um, he's going to die. They come to the conclusion that God is out to get this guy. I mean, it's the same thing we read in Job. God is out to get this guy 
and he's escaped this terrible sea storm and the crashing of the of the ship. Uh, and yet here comes this snake. I don't I mean, this guy can't get a break. God really must want to get him. That's their conclusion here. I see Paul serving here. Paul's not that young right now. He's all gimped up. He gets beat up wherever he goes. I mean, he is a prisoner. And so maybe because he's a prisoner, he's out there collecting firewood with all the other prisoners. It could be. I don't think that's why he's doing it. I think he's just participating. I think he's just helping. He's doing what's right. We need more wood for the fire. I'll go get some. I don't mind doing it. He's just that kind of guy. And so he lays that out there. Um, he gets bit. Now, um, verse 5. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he's a god. Must be a god. People are so fickle. Isn't that funny? He's a murderer. Nope, he's a god. It's wrong about that one. He's a god. <laughs> Here's what Paul did. He served. He was unharmed, but he was bit. He did get bit. Some would say the bite was, and maybe one of us might respond in such a way, why do I have to get bit by a snake? I mean, all I'm trying to do here is help people get some wood and put it in there and You'd think God would protect me from getting bit by a snake, but here I am, bit by a snake. It hurts. It's sore. But he doesn't. He shakes it off into the fire. He knows what to do. Get off. Paul didn't do anything wrong, but he was certainly judged. I love the fact that they said, no doubt, no doubt this man is a murderer. There's huge doubt. It's amazing the conclusions that people can come to. No doubt this man's a murderer. No man gets bit by a snake unless he is. Really, you know, really. And then immediately afterwards, after no harm comes to him, he must be a god because nobody can survive that. People have expectations. They were fully looking. I don't, did anybody say anything to him? Did anybody try to administer any kind of medical attention to him? You know, like, Aren't you supposed to cut it open and suck out the venom or something like that? I mean, it's like they all said, oh, he got bit by a snake. That's terrible for you. Well, then they just sat there and kind of watched him see what happened. He's going to explode. You know, nice people. They didn't want to get involved. They didn't want to get any near, anywhere near this God that was trying to judge this guy. Help him. Might get myself killed kind of thing. And that's what superstitious people do. That's what phony Christians do. That's what phony... Religious people do. They look out for number one. It's a terrible place to be. They had expectations. The expectations was that he was a murderer and that he was going to die from the snake bite. They were wrong. In Acts chapter 14, Paul did something similar, but it was the exact opposite. He healed a kid. He was walking into the town and healed a kid. And they said, this must be Zeus. This is Zeus. If the gods have come down to us, this is Zeus. Look at this miracle. And they tore off their clothes and said, we're not Zeus. We're not any kind of gods or anything like that. We're men like you. Don't do this. And no more than, what, eight verses later in verse 19, the Jews had come down and just stirred up that same crowd to kill Paul. So at first you're a murderer and now you're a god, but just a few chapters before in another town, you were a god and then you were going to get murdered. I'm telling you. People get it wrong all the time. They just do. They get you wrong all the time. They get us wrong all the time. And that's, Paul is used to this. 
And I think that's what I want to, I don't want to, I don't want you to leave here tonight saying, that's right. Nobody understands me. You know, that's what I learned at church tonight. No, that's not it. It's just, Paul is just so even keeled and above it all. He's above the opinions of man. You're a God. No, I'm not. No. You're a murderer. No, I'm not a murderer. He just lets everybody figure things out. He's not defending himself and, oh, you know, none of this up and down. You know, oh, they got to know. They got to know. They got to know, you know. He's just like, no, nah, let's give it time. It doesn't matter, you know. Oh, they're putting me in prison. There must be a bunch of prisoners I got to minister to. Not worried about justice, truth, you know. Why am I in the inner prison? Well, because there's a bunch of people in there that need Jesus, and they need you and Silas to sing really loud. And then this jail guy, he needs to hear about Jesus too. He needs to see that you don't leave when the doors all open up. Then you could go register to his entire family, and they're all going to get saved too. He just understood as Christians, when we can get to that place where we're just even in this world, and we just walk. Paul walks around. I think Rod hit on this excellent last week. Paul's in charge. He was in charge of the shipwreck. He was in charge in jail. He's in charge on this island. He doesn't have the emblems he's supposed to have. He doesn't have the authority from man, but he's the guy on the scene. He's God's man on the scene. He's in charge. And you need to understand that about you. As believers in Jesus Christ, you are in charge everywhere you go. You don't start bossing people around. They probably won't listen to you, but you got to understand God has sent you. God is on your team. He's on your side. He's got stuff for you to do. And to be that even person, you know, Oh, they're talking bad about me at work again. They just do. They just do. And then next week they'll come up to you and say, my grandma died, will you pray for me? And you do. And then next week they'll hate you again and steal your sandwich out of the fridge. You know, that's just people. That's just uneven people, unstable people in all their ways. Double-minded man, flesh versus the spirit, that's them. But as Christians, we're not to be in those ranks. We're to be even, 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 even. Paul is so even. I love it. Verse 7. In that region, there was an estate of a leading citizen of the island whose name was Publius, who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. There's a big group of people. I mean, it's all the soldiers. This is all the ship people. This is everybody on that ship who's you know, crash landed there. And this guy says, no, I, got, I mean, I've got the only place in town that's big enough to hold all you guys. Come on in. And he brings them in. He's feeding them. And now Publius is his name, so probably Roman also. So it probably wasn't a bad idea to go ahead and help the Roman soldiers out and all that. But besides that, um, here's what happened. And here's the point. Verse 8. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery. Paul went into him and prayed, and he laid hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. They also honored us in many ways. And when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. Is it possible the whole shipwreck was for that right there? You think about all the... Mm, not a distraction, that's the wrong word. All of the inconveniences, all of the things that were off um, off our schedule. You know, this is, this is slowing me down. This is not where I want to be. This is, I should be here by now and, and all these things. I, I was thinking about, is, is David Spencer here? You're like, no, you, you sent him off on Sunday. 
Well, we kind of sent him off on Sunday. <laughs> I dropped off Steve. Uh, David had already been dropped off at the airport. I dropped off Steve at the airport, and David's sitting there with his bright yellow luggage. Embarrassing to be around. Yeah. <laughs> and I get a call this afternoon. It's David Spencer. I'm like, oh, they, they, wow, we're coming from Africa. I mean, that's, it doesn't seem long enough. I think they had 24 hours. They shouldn't be there by now. Well, that's a clear signal. So where are you? Oh, we're still in town. <laughs> this is what I dropped you off yesterday. What, what do you mean you're still in town? Well, they've been delayed. Something happened, and I, I know I didn't, I didn't get into it with him. He just wanted to know if he could steal some Bibles from the church and take them to Africa with him. I said, "Yeah, take as many Bibles as you want. Pack it up." But they got a delay of some kind. You're on God's time, not on your time. Should have been gone by now. Should have been gone. You know, you're not. You know. Should have never been on this island of Malta. Yeah, well, maybe this guy would have died. Maybe this island wouldn't have heard the gospel for another decade or whatever. I don't know how long. I mean, who, chose, who chooses to go to the barbarians on the island? You know, I mean, you'd have to have a special kind of guy. Well, Paul's that kind of guy. And this old man who's dying and this Publius who doesn't know what to do, and they probably had all the witch doctors from in town come by because that's what they do, you know. Here, put some garlic on him. He'll be better, you know, or whatever. Make this peyote paste or whatever, you know. And nothing's working. And so Paul says, hey, thanks for housing us. Can I go pray for your dad? Simple, normal person talking. Paul's a simple, normal person talking. Where's your dad? He's got dysentery really bad. Can I go pray for him? Sure. To who? Which God? My God. Watch. You know, dear God, would you heal him? He's up, you know, whoa. And the villagers see this and they're looking at their witch doctor saying, you ain't got that. You know, you can put your, you can keep your garlic and your paste. And they all brought their guys out and Paul says, sure, sure. He just starts healing them. Oh, I wish I had that gift of healing. I don't have that gift of healing. That's all right. I got the gift God wants me to have, and I'm happy for it. But it's so fun to watch people use these gifts like this. And Paul, especially, they started bringing him all the people. And he's like, yeah, 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 I'll heal him. And they honored him many days. What a, what a breath of fresh air this shipwreck became for these people. I don't know if we see it that way. Yeah, they got healed. Yeah, they were dark, and it was rainy, and it was all that. And they showed some hospitality. There's just such a natural thing to this. It's just such a natural... It's just sunshine for these people. Just some sunshine for them. Got a bunch of sick people on the island. Got a bunch, got dad over here sick. And he just comes in and this guy, this Paul guy got bit by a snake. But he lived. And he laid hands on everybody and they all got better. You know how long they talked about this after these guys left? Remember that Paul guy? Remember the snake thing? Talked about. Remember how he healed grandma? Remember how he healed dad? Remember how he healed whoever? They're thinking and talking about him. He just had such an effect. So genuine, so real, but very powerful. People are drawn to the power of God. They also honored us in many ways. Luke is with them, apparently. That's why he says us. When we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. Now, after three months, we sailed in an Alexandrian ship whose figurehead was the twin brothers, which had wintered at the island. Already 
already pre-positioned. There it is. How are we going to get off this island? Well, there's a ship right over here. Well, that's really convenient. Does it fit all of us? It just fits all of us. I just, God is perfect. He is perfect. And landing at Syracuse, we stayed three days. From there, we circled round to reach Rigium. And after one day, uh, the south wind blew, and the next day we came to Petioli. Uh, I don't know. Where we found brethren. That's the important part of this next section. We found brethren, believers. And we're invited to stay with them seven days, so we went toward Rome. And from there, when the brethren heard about us, they came to meet us as far as Apiforum and the three inns. And you imagine why that town was called the three inns. Yep, you got it. They had three hotels. When Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. So that's a place where they would stay. So these guys heard about Paul, and the believers are all talking, and they go run and meet these guys. And what a joy. What a time of refreshing. It says that he thanked God and he took courage. It means Paul needed to take a little courage. That's a lot to go through. To be shipwrecked like that, to be ministering to everybody, to be laying hands on them and to heal them, and as much of a blessing as it was, and what a beautiful thing ministry is, to find some other brethren that are there. Hey, why don't you stay with us for a while? We'll take care of you for a while. We'll do this. He thanked God and took courage. Believers all along the way. He doesn't know what's waiting for him in Rome, really. He doesn't understand. He just knows he's supposed to go to Jerusalem, and then, yeah, God says I'm supposed to go to Rome too, but... It's nice to have those confirmations along the way. God knows what we need and when we need it. And God is very faithful to Paul to make sure that he's comfortable at different times. Whether that was in Corinth when he says, no one's going to hurt you here, Paul. You don't have to be afraid. Or when it comes into running into some brethren in the middle of nowhere. I mean, you've been ministering to these Roman soldiers that can't believe anybody's not saved that was on that ship by now. Everybody on that island has heard the gospel. And now he runs into some believers who are, who are there to, well, to just give him some comfort and some courage. I don't think we give ourselves enough credit for that as believers. I think you need to. You bring comfort to people. You really do. You bring a blessing. It doesn't have to be a lot of sunshine, just some. Just some. It's all it takes. Some days you don't have it in you. I understand that. Everybody's got bad days and good days. I think that's important. I, I was talking to Steve on the way down to... Uh, the airport, which really didn't need to make that run after all. Kim Watson went and picked them back up again and brought them home, and hopefully they'll get out of here soon. But I was talking to him about that. I said, now, how long are you going to be there, you know? Five weeks. I said, oh, so long. How long were you there before? Just two weeks before. I said, well, that's good. I said, five weeks is just long enough time for people to get off their best behavior. It is. It's important. Because you, you go over there and you meet missionaries or you go into other places and you meet up with people and it, you can't help it. Everybody's on their best behavior. We're the most Christian people you've ever met in your entire life. We love Jesus and we read the Word of God every single day. We do every single morning, you know. You give them five weeks and they're going to have some bad days. And that's really important for believers to see in each other. I think it is. To see the bad days. They're going to see bad days in Juma and they're going to see bad days in uh, Jackson, and they're going to see bad days in, you know, in all these guys. Because you got to see that. Because not everybody has a great day, and neither do you. You know? Not everybody is, is sunshine and, 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 and unicorns you know, kind of thing. Um, the good news is, as Christians, we don't all have bad days on the same day. 
God's very careful to make sure there's always some of us out there that are doing all right that day. And that's the day that you shine. And tomorrow you may need the sunshine from somebody else. You know, you may need that blessing from other people. And that's okay. Give it when you got it. But give it. Absolutely give it. People need it around you. You don't realize how much. Paul needed that. These people ran to Epiphorum and the three inns to meet Paul. Do you know what that was like for him to stand there and see? What are all those people doing? Paul! Paul! (sighs) What a relief. People love me. Corinthians don't love me, but these guys love me, you know? What a blessing to him. Now, when we came to Rome... The centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard, but Paul was permitted to dwell by himself with the soldier who guarded him. So they would bring this guard in, and there'd be probably a rotation, maybe four every day, I suppose. Could be more than that. I don't know how long their their duty was that they had to stand there with Paul, but I bet you he ministered to every single one of them. What's your name? Never mind what my name is, prisoner. Okay, you know. And he's just going to teach them about Jesus for the next four hours or however long he's got them, you know, sharing them, sharing Christ with them. And uh, he would do this, but he got to be by himself. He was already set apart from these other prisoners. He's not like anybody we've ever met. Now, the captain wasn't sure about that when he took him on board. He wasn't sure what was, I mean, we knew he was extra special. We knew there was a huge entourage with him that had to be, you know, a huge protection detail had to be given to him and all or but by the time they're done and they see all these things, every one of these guys says, no, 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 he's not going to the jail. He is not going to the jail. He's over here. He's absolutely fine. The guy's amazing. You know, he's amazing. He's not a threat. He's the most innocent prisoner we've ever had, you know, kind of thing. And they knew that. And so they give him this break. Now, it came to pass after three days. So he's at Rome. He's got his own place here. Three days that Paul called the leaders of the Jews together. He's still trying. Okay, I'm in Rome. Where are the Jews? What? You're about to, all the Gentiles. You're here to preach to the Gentiles, Paul. You know that. God said Gentiles. Where are the Jews at? Okay. One more time. Get these Jews together. So when they had come together, he said to them, uh, he's a little defensive. I think this is funny. Men and brethren, though I've done nothing against our people, or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who, when they had examined me, wanted to let me go, because there was no cause for putting me to death. But when the Jews spoke against it, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, not that I had anything of which to accuse my nation. I'm not here to chew anybody out or get anybody in trouble. For this reason, therefore, I have called you to see you and speak with you, because for the hope of Israel I am bound in these chains." little defensive. These guys respond, uh, we neither received letters from Judea concerning you, nor have any of the brethren uh, who came reported or spoken any evil of you. What are you talking about, Paul? None of us thought any of that stuff. But see, Paul had was on the assumption these guys had gone before him. They'd let all the Jews know, hey, that big time prisoner's coming, Paul. We ran him out of town. And now, oh, boy, when he gets in front of you know Caesar, he's going to really get his... You guys witnessed there and all that. No, we didn't even know who, who, we didn't even know anything this was going on. You know, oh, there's a little ray of sunshine for Paul here. These guys have not been pre-poisoned. That's the difference. These guys have not been whispered in their ear. Paul's a terrible guy. Paul's, you know, he's part of that cult. He's a weirdy, you know. 
You got to watch out for him. He's a guilty guy. You just wait. None of that's been spoken to these guys. Paul's almost shared too much with them. We desire to hear from you what you think. For concerning this sect, we know that it is spoken against everywhere. Tell us everything you know about this way that you belong to. So when they had appointed him a day, many came to him at his lodging, to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets from morning till evening. And some were persuaded by the things which were spoken, and some disbelieved. Glass half empty, glass half full, I don't know. I see this as an opportunity, though. There's some fruit. It doesn't matter whether Jesus is speaking or whether you're speaking or whether Paul's speaking. It's sometimes just a 50-50 deal, whether people believe what you've said or not about Jesus Christ. But Paul here, hey, some were persuaded. That's much better than how he started off in so many of his other conversations where just a riot starts as soon as he starts talking about Jesus. Some were persuaded, and that's fruit. Look for that in your life. Some of you as new believers or even older believers who wish your lives had changed a whole lot faster than they're already changing, you need to look back a lot further than what you're looking back, I think, in my opinion. A lot of you are struggling with, how, you know, I, I don't know, I just keep doing the same thing week after week. Well, why don't you look back four years ago? What were you like four years ago? Oh, I don't even recognize that person. There you go. That's the difference. Give God time in your life. Give him time to work things out and to get things changed. Habits don't change really quickly. They just don't. Some things God will take away from you immediately. Some things it just takes, I don't know, a long time for him to get those things out of our system. It takes a lot of undoing to get those things out of our system and uh, to be reprogrammed or rethought, to think the way Christ thinks on certain issues. It takes time for those things. How were you four years ago, three years ago? You know, Are you better? Are you closer to Christ? Oh, I am. I do read my Bible once a month. Never read my Bible three years ago. Well, that's great, you know? That's awesome. And every time you read, and the more you read, and the more you dive in, the, the more you'll change, and the faster you'll change. That's just, just work on it, you know? Anyway, there's some fruit in our lives, and I think we need to recognize the fruit um, and not be so worried about all the things we fail at. Um, I mean, focus on them and make sure you, you know, you're working on those things. Don't be ignorant about those things in your life, definitely. But there's fruit. So when they did not agree among themselves, they departed after Paul had said one word. So they're arguing, I I think he's telling the truth. He's a liar. And so that starts. And so Paul gets mad. And not really. I mean, he he just, he I got to give him some scripture, he says. The Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet to our fathers saying, and here's the quote, go to this people and say, hearing you will hear and shall not understand seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing. Their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts in turn, so that I should heal them. Therefore, let it be known to, uh, to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will hear it, exclamation point. So he's kind of yelling at him. And when, they, when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had a great dispute among themselves. 
I smile because Jesus Christ came to divide. This is an excellent example of that. These guys were all like all in one accord with their big hats and their big robes and all walking to go meet you and go listen to this Paul guy. And they, and they left that place saying, you know, I don't even like Bob anymore. You know, I don't even want to hear him. He believed in that Jesus. And they're divided. And Paul says, well, before you go, let's make sure this division's real. Prophets talked about you, unbelievers. And he gives them a prophecy. And it made the dissension even worse than it was. He drives it in. He makes sure they understand that those who didn't hear were prophesied about. And those who did hear, you've, been, you've become above that prophecy of Isaiah. Good for you. You just make sure that there's some scripture to back that up so that they understand that. And he drives that division, that wedge in there even further because it needs to be there. If we don't make that distinction between believers and unbelievers, there's a temptation for believers to either fall back into disbelief or for the unbelievers to think there's no difference. And there is. There's a huge difference. And that needs to shine. It needs to be out there. It needs to be seen. Paul makes sure. This prophecy is an interesting prophecy. I've got a few minutes left, then we'll close here. It's verse 27. It's probably the most discouraging part of this. As God prophesies ahead of time of the nation that will not accept his Messiah that he sends, for their hearts of this people have grown dull. They weren't always dull. They grew dull. I'm not pausing for effect. I really just, it just needs to be understood that none of us are above this. None of us are. Every one of us can have ears that grow dull to God's word, dull to the leading of the Holy Spirit, just dull in general. And it is up to me that in my life, in my own life, that it does not become dull in my life. That the word of God is still piercing to me. It's still sharp. That um, accomplishes what it was set out to do. That I don't read my Bible for the sake of the quiet time checkoff box. It's a dangerous thing, I think. And I struggle with that because it's like I want people to read their Bibles because I know how important it is for you to read your word to read God's word. I know how important that is. You have to. But the last thing we need is for us to flip it open and say, all right, all right. It's almost, you become dull of hearing, you know? And there's nothing you can do, I guess. There's except be warned, I guess. Just be warned that none of us are above this, that we can grow dull of hearing and just don't. That's all I can say. And I think practical application is the best way. Um, If it's always theoretical, if your training is always theoretical, if it's always, um, if you're always at the rifle range, for example, and you're always shooting at targets that don't move, they don't fire back, everything's the same, it's the paper, and the guy runs it up and says, yeah, you got a bullseye, and they put a little pasty over the top, and they run it back up again, you shoot it again, and this is just constant, you walk away and go clean your rifle, and you think, you've never experienced war with that weapon. You've just gone to the rifle range. And I'm telling you, quiet times, as important as they are, it is rifle range moments. It's when you get to work. It's when you're having your marriage moments. It's when you're having your child-rearing moments. Or it's when you're at school or wherever it may be where the war begins. And that's when you need to pull these things out and use these things. That's what keeps you sharp and edgy. Very important. 
If I stop using these things, if I stop interacting with this world and trying to change it for Jesus Christ, being light and salt in this world, I become unsalty. I'm not savory anymore. I'm of no use. My light becomes dim. I begin to put a bushel onto it until finally it just extinguishes itself. That's what dull, that's how you get dull. Using it, talking about Jesus, saying his name. Say his name at work. (laughs) You'll never be looked at again the same way you've ever been looked at, ever, ever. Just say it once. Oh, I just love Jesus. Yeah, so do I. I love Jesus too. Yeah, I go to church. And then all of a sudden, everybody around you starts talking about church. Oh, yeah, yeah, church. I was at church the other day in church, and then the church, and the church at the church. And I'm like, okay, I just mentioned his name. But boy, I'll get you you sharp and edgy. It's good. Okay, let it be known to you. Go into the Gentiles. Go into the Gentiles, he says. And so they argued all the way home. (laughs) And Paul's like, mission accomplished. Verse 30. Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. It's like the first time in his entire life he's ever had that kind of carte blanche. You can do whatever you want to do. Talk about Jesus. Nobody's forbidding him. No Roman soldiers shushing him. Got his own house. Anybody can come. He's preaching the gospel in Rome to anybody that'll listen. He's never had this before. That's why in several of his epistles, he says, hey, greet, greet those who are in Caesar's household. Greet the believers in Caesar's household. All the guys on the shipwreck, you know, the shipwreck bros, they know who I'm talking about, you know, snake biters guys, you know, kind of thing. All these people have been ministered to. And that's how the book of Acts ends. There's no ending. This is the end of this moment with Paul, but this isn't the end of Paul's ministry here. We know from history what happens later on and from some of his epistles, he elaborates on some things and we could go over that. But the idea of it being open-ended like this is so that This goes on. The book of Acts continues to this day. Everything we just read through these 28 chapters is still happening in the church today in certain areas with certain people. And he wants it to be us. And we just have to let him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this wonderful book of your workings, your Holy Spirit working through all these people that were willing and available vessels. God, here we stand, Calvary Chapel, Maryville, 2022, We make ourselves available to you. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Give us all the gifts necessary. Help us to be edgy, to have ears to hear, to listen to you, to do what you've called us to do, to change the status quo around here, to uh, that Jesus will be on our lips, God, that your son and his salvation and what he's done and the great works. And then I pray, God, that it would not be philosophy, there would be power associated with it, God, in our lives, that people would see that we'd be able to lay hands on people and they'd recover, or that we give words of knowledge and words of wisdom to people that didn't expect it, but they knew that it was you because you've confirmed from our lips to what they read or from what they've encountered someplace else, and you confirm things in them, and they all of a sudden realize there's a real Holy Spirit speaking through this person and through these other people, and it's all coming together in my life, and they sense your presence, and they want more of you. Help us to be salty and bright, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer before you go, please come up. Be glad to pray with you. Otherwise, have a good rest of the week.